From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. And I think that's the reason, Jeff, that so many folks are looking at the market and saying, I want to go in. Why shouldn't I just go in now? Uh, because look, look what these analysts are saying. And I'm not talking about the macro analysts. They, that tends to be more esoteric. But those buy ratings get, get you know, all strewn all over business uh, television. And then, you know, you'll have the folks sitting there saying, well, why aren't I going in and buying more? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for today, with my friend and colleague, Quincy Crosby. Quincy, how are you today? Good, how are you, Jeff? Good, good, thanks. Hope you and the family had a nice fourth. Um, we uh, we focused more on our dog than ourselves because we had a big birthday. Our little doodle Bella, Bella turned Bella. three this uh, this weekend, July third. So that was certainly the uh, the, the highlight of, of the weekend, uh, no doubt. Although I was out last week, spent the week on Cape Cod. Um, how was your uh, holiday? It was good, thank you. Yeah, we we, we are. We are very big supporters of enjoying the 4th of July and what it stands for. Amen to that. Uh, God bless America. So hope everybody had a nice 4th. Um, here's what we're going to talk about today. Um, three things. First, uh, strong second half rebound prospects for the market, of course. Um, still in a bear market, but we think uh, the odds of a strong second half are good. Uh, second, though not in conflict with the first bullet point, uh, we are lowering our year-end S&P 500 target. Uh, although in our weekly market commentary today, which you can find on LPL.com, you'll see we are constructive, not complacent. Uh, and then last, the big uh, data point last week was the PCE inflation number that the Fed pays attention to. So uh, we'll talk about that as well um, before we wrap. So. Um, First, uh, here's Charlie S&P 500, 3825 is where we closed before the holiday weekend, but futures are solidly lower this morning. Uh, we've titled this slide, Working to Carve Out a Bottom. Um, so Quincy, I'll start with just a question for you. Have we really made any progress carving out a bottom or are we still uh, waiting for more signals? I think we're waiting for more signals. Uh, you, you know, we have a tendency because it, it, it's, how shall I say, it's comforting to go back in time. How did the other bottoms manifest themselves? How did they present themselves? And now one of the things, um, Jeff, you, you hear this constantly, well, why isn't the VIX climbing over 40 the way it did with previous periods in which there was turmoil in the market, volatility in the market, and, and the VIX would climb above 40. And then, you know, you, you, you'd have that, that selling, that selling climax where the last seller gives in and we create a bottom. How about this? How about we may not have all of the same signals, especially with the VIX, which by the way, is a product that is, uh, emanates from the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, it is basically buying downside protection on the S&P 500. I should point out, because there are those traders listening, uh, that I could also buy call options, thinking that the market is going to go up and I want, I want to protect myself to the upside. But again, it's known as the volatility index, right? Here's the point. This downturn that we're experiencing in the market 
this 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 desperation to find that bottom to find the equilibrium of the valuation on the S&P 500 did not come about because of a major shock to the system it's not like uh, you know when we had the um, Lehman Brothers uh, a, a fiasco disaster and every single investment bank going down the tubes and the market kept looking for that old maid card where are those subprime mortgages and the leverage that was associated with those portfolios. That didn't happen this time. And so we kind of know, that's why it's been almost more orderly, I think, than previous periods in which volatility spiked. We know why this is happening. There's inflation. The Fed is determined to curtail that inflationary trajectory. And they have come out and said so many times, Look, we're going to we're going to do it, uh, whether or not he's used the recession word. We have to do it. So I think that is what makes it more difficult, Jeff, is that that has not happened. That we're looking for something astounding on the downside. However, and I want to point this out: the more the Fed raises rates, and in fact that they raise rates at the next meeting, so far the market does see seventy-five basis points. What we're seeing is that financial conditions continue to tighten. And this is what's important. If liquidity dries up, liquidity being the oxygen for the market, if we have companies that cannot go to market to raise money, particularly in the high yield area, which is usually our first sign that there's a problem, they can't raise money unless they offer tremendous uh, uh, discounts for buyers. The Fed has made a mistake, a policy area error, they broke something. That could be what gives us the bottom. It's a terrible way to look at it that we have to wait for something like that. But so far, it's been rather orderly. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we've seen some signs of that capitulation in the crypto space, but yes. it hasn't really leaked over too much uh, into uh, you know traditional uh, corporate America. So exactly. we'll, keep, we'll certainly keep watching for that. I think our technical strategist, Scott Brown, uh, believes we have made some progress in terms of showing some really negative breadth numbers. In other words, a very high percentage of stocks below moving averages, a very high percentage of stocks in bear market territory, things of that nature. So we'll keep watching those uh, as well, but certainly some progress has been made, but uh, but not a lot. Um, you know, we, we know it was an awful first half, um, but of course what matters is where we go from here. And so um, there are a number of ways to look at this, but we have several studies here that show that there's reason to be optimistic about the second half here. Um, one is this table that we showed before. Uh, you see how well stocks historically have done after entering a bear market, which of course we did a few weeks back. Uh, we're now a little bit out of it or right around it, 20% down. Um, you see here after those bear markets start, on average, a year later, you're up 15%. But if you look at medians and take out the awful 1973 and the awful 2008, and certainly we don't think this environment is anything like either of those, uh, then you, know, you get a median of 24%. So over the next 12 months, uh, this is certainly um, a reason for optimism. We can also look at how badly, uh, how stocks have done after really bad quarters. Right, we just had a really bad quarter, 16% down on the S&P. So if you look at all the quarters that have been down that much or more, 
historically, uh, we found eight of them with the help of Bespoke Investment Group. On average, next three months, um, we're up 6%. You know, I don't know if we want necessarily would take that. Maybe we want to do better, but 6%, not bad. Uh, but look at what you get the next six months and next 12 months, right? You get down, after those down quarters, you get up 15% on average and up 26% on, on average. So this really bad quarter is likely to be followed by uh, gains ahead. You do the same thing with, with down half years. So after more than 20% down half years, we found seven of those. Uh, you see here on average, S&P 500 up 8.5% the next quarter, up 21% up the next two quarters, and then up 31% uh, over the following year and gains in all of these uh, six and 12 month periods. So this is just math. This is what history tells us after, the, <clears throat> after these really bad periods, stocks tend to rebound. So here, my, my question for you, Quincy, is, is it too optimistic to expect this kind of a rebound over the next six to 12 months? Well, let, let me just, may I, if I may, give, give some data, historical statistics that over the last 20 years, again, from Bespoke Investment Group, over the two weeks following the end of June, June 29th, and two weeks hence, the median for the S&P 500 is over 2%, about 2.1%. So, you know, when you go over the past 20 years, one thing that stays the same is that we're in the waiting period for the unofficial, official opening of the earnings season. Uh, uh, is it too optimistic? No, I mean, you know, one other part of the, of the optimism is what happens after the midterm elections. Uh, the first three months after midterm elections, the market has statistically a, a very strong bounce. And over the course of the year, um, that bounce tends to hold, uh, eases out, but gives us a average return of just over 16%. So you also have the midterm election statistic of the bounce. But overall, what we're waiting for is that the Fed finishes up the aggressive campaign to curtail inflation. The minute, and the market's going to see it. You were going to talk about it later, but the market is going to see it. When the Fed feels as if inflation has plateaued viably, I say viably, so that they know that that's the trajectory. It's entrenched rather than a trench going up. It's moving in the right direction. Because what we believe is it could happen this year. And what then would be the case for the market is that the market discounts the end of the Fed's aggressive campaign, perhaps brings us to a pause, perhaps actually uh, gives us maybe 25 basis points. Or, or if, if there's this also this, how shall I say, this option in the market, and that the Fed feels as if, well, you know what, we're doing too much damage to the economy and we need to just pause. And I'm not saying that's the best scenario, but nonetheless, the market would probably rally on that news. But as long as the market feels that inflation is being beaten, the Fed uses the right words, plateau, peak, moving in the right direction, and that the data underscores that, and that the Fed's rhetoric 
either becomes more dovish or certainly less hawkish. That would be something that would move the market. And that could happen as we get into the uh, end of this quarter and early fourth quarter. Yeah, that's such an important point. Um, the you know you look back at these historical uh, lows, you these major lows, you see Fed pivots driving the inflection point, and that's what yes. we're waiting for. And that means we have to wait for inflation, which we'll talk more about in in a minute, uh, which is of course the key to the Fed uh, slowing down. Growth matters too. You know, if if we yeah. enter a recession, growth gets too weak, the Fed could blink. But uh, certainly, we've got to. Uh, watch the inflation side really closely. Um, inflation's tied to our decision to lower our S&P 500 fair value target for year end uh, because inflation is certainly tied to interest rates. Inflation and interest rates are tied to stock valuations. And so our earnings forecasts haven't changed, but we think PE multiples uh, have to come down uh, from our prior expectation. And, um, and that's what you see here. This um, new target of 4,300 to 4,400 is based on a P of 1819. That is a typical late cycle PE valuation. Uh, the, you know, it was, I mean, certainly in 2000, we had much higher, but in other more recent uh, market cycles, we tend to see bear markets peter out or bull markets rather peter out sort of in that high teens range. So we think we can get there. Uh, hopefully we get there by year end, um, but um, it, this is really not an earnings call. Uh, I think our earnings forecasts are very realistic right now. They are well below consensus. Uh, we're just saying that PE has to come down. And you can see here, this is a table we put in the weekly market commentary for this week, where you can see the valuations and the earnings and where they come together, right? So consensus is still $250 a share. For 2023, that's almost certainly going to come down during earnings season. Our forecast is 235, and it's been there for quite some time. So we're already factoring in some downside, of course, from slower economic growth, uh, but also margin pressures from the inflation problem. Uh, but where stocks can do better, we think, over the coming months is with a re-rating of the PE ratios from you know 15 to 16 now. Uh, to up to 18, 19. So, uh, Quincy, you think that um, 18 to 19 range is is fair? What has to happen for us to get there? What has to happen is, that, you know, this, the challenges uh, embedded in the global supply chain ease, even at the margin. And, you know, you've got China beginning to open. Uh, if they begin to have their, you know, factories open again, which is, you know, obviously part of, of, of their, their mandate as, as they open the economy from the really grueling COVID, uh, zero COVID uh, policies where everything was closed down, particularly Shanghai for two months. Uh, you know, you could start to see the global supply chain easing, the challenges easing, uh, shipments coming back in on a fairly regular schedule. Uh, we, we, we're seeing prices regarding um, freight uh, shipments, trucking shipments, uh, and, and, and shipping from Shanghai uh, over to, to, the, uh, to the West. Those, those prices are coming down, indicating that it's beginning 
to function on a more normal scale. The reason I mention all of this is, you know, the Fed is only de dealing with, with demand. But if we can have supply ease and meet demand, the Fed's job is going to, uh, is going to be uh, made more, what's the word I want to say, possible. Uh, that they that they can reduce prices. That's that's the goal: is get prices to come down across the board. And so I think it'll be reflected in 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 the market. And 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 again, it's not if but when. So can we get there? We need China coming on board. They're beginning to. Uh, it's beginning to open. We hope that there's not a, another COVID scare where they close things down because they're very very quick to close things down. And as I said, uh, we're starting to see across the board. Uh, prices beginning to ease, that will help. And at the same time, you're beginning to see um, here in the US, um, in terms of the uh, ISM numbers, the Institute for Supply Management, Purchasing Manager numbers, they're weakening. And I know this sounds contrary, it is contrarian, but when they really pull back, uh, you know, to the point that they cross over the 50 uh, mark, because 50 constitutes expansion, albeit slower expansion, uh, if they go below that, both in the manufacturing and this week we'll hear from the service sector. By the way, that tends to help build that bottom. I just want to mention that, and that tends to be where the bottom comes in and we move from there. And uh, it, statistically, it has a very good, what shall I say, uh, 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 backdrop in terms of statistics and telling us uh, when the bottom is, is coming in, because those numbers scare the daylights out of the market, because they tend to have a very good positive correlation with growth, positive correlation with S&P 500 uh, forward activity. So again, this is where the bad news becomes the good news. And then also, uh, speaking of bad news becoming good news, we're taking a look at the labor market. Obviously, what the Fed wants to dampen is the, the potential for a serious wage price uh, spiral. And that is where you have many workers, uh, at, but many, many more jobs. And the workers can come in and say, hey, I demand more. You want me to work there? I'll do it, but you're going to pay me more. So what we're looking for is not for the labor market, which is healthy, it's still solid, to deteriorate in a meaningful way but to have the number of jobs come down. Because when the number of job openings diminish, then you clearly have a situation in which the worker has less, uh, uh, what shall I say, less backing and uh, to, to demand higher wages. And it sounds terrible when you talk about it, but you're looking at it now from the market's perspective. So that's where bad news becomes good news for the market. So. All of these are possible as the Fed continues uh, its, its course of aggressive, uh, aggressive tightening. Now, the question will be, uh, Jeff, when we get to the meeting for the Fed, which is at the end of this month, if the economic data deteriorate in a more meaningful way, do we see the Fed back off of the 75 basis, point, uh, 75 basis point hike and move more towards 50. That's going to be interesting because for the market, it, what it'll signal is that the Fed is blinking, right? They, they set the stage. They've had a, a, spay, a, a, a litany, a parade of Fed speakers up until now coming out and saying, hey, we, we embrace 75 basis points. Well, if they move back to 50, it will tell you that 
that they're blinking if, if the inflation numbers do not uh, recede accordingly or, 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 or that there's no confluence of that. So it, 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 how do I say this? The market is poised to accept the slowdown, but what it wants to see is that inflation numbers pull back and more importantly, it wants to hear the guidance from companies having a more optimistic view. You know, I don't know, Jeff, if you, you're following this, you always do. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Jeff. Yeah, you, you want that slide to go away. Yes, you want that price to come down. Of course you do, of course you do. And alas, how do I put this? China on board, China gets most of its oil from Russia, but if those sanctions really hit, and then China has to take more oil from the same sources where we get our oil, who knows where prices are gonna go? That's one of the arguments that the energy sector has is that it's still tight, supplies are still tight, and they will tighten even more when China comes on board. You know, during the, um, their, their COVID shutdown, maybe they were using 1 million uh, barrels of oil a day, if that, but opening, it is going to move towards where they usually go and it's multiple of, of 1 million barrels of oil a day. So this is the big dilemma, get those prices down and get them down quickly. It, this, that could change the market's tone because this competes with the Fed's raising rates. Together, they tighten the economy more than, more than just the Fed tightening by itself. Yeah, the, don't make the, that make that go away. Make that. I'm gonna tr try. Well, I mean, the, the, the only good news I can say about this is that oil prices have come down about 10 percent off of their peak, so we will get a little bit of relief. I'm also um, happy to report that I still have not paid hundred dollars to fill up my tank yet. Uh, if I let it go down to nothing and run on fumes, I might break that hundred dollar mark. But for now, I have not. Um, as of yet, but you know, it, it just keeps coming up, Quincy, over and over again, inflation, 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 right? Which connects to the Fed, uh, connects to interest rates. Um, we got this PCE number. This is, again, what the Fed pays most attention to. And it was, you know, I would argue pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, this number's come down up for a few months yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and is in the fours, right? Not, you know, 8.6% where the CPI was headline. But yet the markets didn't really seem to care. I mean, even within this number, um, you know, there were some positives, right? I, I mean, auto prices continue to come down. Uh, fourth consecutive month of slowing auto price inflation. Um, in fact, used cars rose at the slowest pace since May of 2020. Supply uh, bottlenecks certainly are improving. You mentioned that, Quincy. Uh, car market is beginning to normalize after all of these COVID disruptions. Um, Jeffrey Roach points out that high gas prices are slowing demand for RVs. Certainly the reopening is probably a little less RV friendly as well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, these are all positive developments. They're taking down the Fed's most important inflation indicator. However, um, you know, at the same time, the Fed is worried about travel related inflation, right? Um, you know, within the PCE, we've got, um, you know, worrisome housing inflation, right? Rents, worrisome restaurant inflation, hotels, and other hospitality prices certainly are um, 
up quite a bit and haven't really shown any signs of slowing as the reopening, you know, continues to work its way through. So, you know, there's there's a lot there there are countervailing forces here, Quincy. I guess the question I would ask here is why didn't the market like this PCE more? Is it just you know, is it a head fake? And really all that matters is prices at the pump and prices at the grocery store, which of course are not in core PCE. What, what is it, do you think? I, I, you know, I, first of all, the, I think the market expected that. And one of the reasons, Jeff, is that the prices, it, let's use travel, for example, use airline tickets. They've been fairly consistently lower it, via the uh, PCE report rather than when the um, CPI comes out. Uh, so that's that's an issue. Healthcare services, it's usually, uh, how do I say this, less, less inflation-like in, in this report than it is in the C CPI report. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, the market has become all consumed, all consumed now with the Fed's course. And unless this changes and the CPI changes dramatically, it, 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 this is going to have to show a deeper retrenched retrenchment of, of inflation. I think that's what it is. Remember when the Fed um, actually was moving towards 75 basis points and they pointed to the um, consumer sentiment report and it was the uh, preliminary report where inflation expectations from the consumer moved from 3.1% to 3.3%. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And that along with the CPI was enough to have the Fed go and break all tradition after being signaling 50 basis points and, and we don't have to go under he and chairman powell actually mentioned it he said that that made us move that friday morning made us move before the fed meeting that next week to go to 75 basis points um then then when the final report came out the university of michigan consumer sentiment report came out the market took a major sigh of relief and moved up that morning. It was all, the market had turned positive, but it got a huge boost. If you looked at following the markets when that announcement came out, because the five to ten year expectations for inflation on part of the consumer back from three point three percent to three point one percent. So that's the kind of, of of data release that gets the markets into attention. Uh, you know, at some point, this is going to be important again, as the CPI is going to be important again. But the market, the market does the shift. And I think right now, what the market is most focused on is earnings. Uh, you know, we're moving into that period where the earnings reports and the guidance are extremely important for the trajectory of the market over the next month, at least, I think. And you know, right now it's not, the the earnings are still solid. Yes, they've come down, but according to FactSet, we're still expecting companies to do better than they did. Uh, you know, during other periods in which the Fed was raising rates, but it is pulling back. Uh, we've seen a negative revisions. We've seen some positive revisions too. But I think the market again, this tug of war. Uh, is expecting, you know, companies to come out and say things look awful, they're horrible. And yet it doesn't appear that way based on the re earnings reports that we've been receiving so far. You've been reporting those. 
the, the FedEx report, for example, uh, there are a host of companies that have been saying, yeah, we understand that conditions are, 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 are slowing, but we're doing well. And that's why the market, I think, is, is waiting to hear, are there many other companies in that camp that are saying, we're, we're navigating, we're navigating our operating margins. Yes, they pulled back inch, inch lower, but we're still making money. Top line revenue growth is still solid to not to strong. That's what the market is waiting for now. You know, the market goes through, it's, it's sort of, what shall I say, litany of anxieties. And so those anxieties, the top of the list change. And right now it is, it is about earnings. And again, it's about oil prices. Uh, high oil prices alone can cause a recession. Where we are fortunate now is that vehicles, um, except mine, are much more, um, what's the word I wanna say? Uh, they, they don't burn as much fuel as they did back in the you know, 70s. Right, so that's that's a help, and also the other aspect to it is that for the middle to high wage earner, it's not as not as much a detriment to their to their um, their cushion of of cash, their ability to pay. It's not fun, it's not great, but but they can do it. Where it hurts are the lower wage earners who perhaps travel more to where they work. And the Fed has, has a study that suggests that 71% of the lower wage earners' income goes towards necessities, which you would have to say at the pump, that's part of it. Whereas for the middle to high wage earner, only 31 to 35% of, of earnings goes towards necessities, which is food, which is rent and, and, and you know, travel. So that's, that's the scenario uh, that we're in. And you know, as I said, if the sanctions on Russia deepen, you know, you may see oil prices uh, move higher. And there too, if the market believes that a recession is at hand, uh, you'll see oil prices come down along with the rest of commodity prices, which have been uh, climbing lower and lower as the market prices in a significant uh, economic downturn. Yeah, you, did so, I answer the question, or did I just go off on a on a on the deep no, end? You, well, what you did is you you I think hit on all of the things we want to watch this week, right? So here's my list: uh, jobs report on Friday, right? Um, we want the job market to cool down from a market perspective because there are so many uh, job openings, and you mentioned it earlier, Quincy. The tight labor markets are putting more upward pressure on wages than the Fed wants. So um, probably shouldn't root for a booming jobs report, but we probably won't get a booming jobs report. Consensus is around 250. We did 390 last month. So something around that number, um, I think would be would be fine. Um, on the Fed, you know, th these Fed minutes are a little bit stale, of course, because they come right. out a few weeks after the meeting. But with all the market's attention on the Fed, any little hint that the Fed might slow down or end this rate hiking campaign sooner than the market thinks uh, could drive a rally. And then lastly, and this is you know, one you probably just spent the most time on, Quincy, it's corporate America. And um, it's been really impressive how right. resilient 
corporate America has been during this inflationary period with supply chain disruptions. I mean, we continue to get uh, examples of how tough it is, right? GM uh, can't finish a bunch of cars right now, right? And so that's going to cause them to miss their numbers just a bit. Um, you know, Micron, the chip maker is another one, you know, the tech equipment orders are of course going to slow PCs and the like. And so uh, it makes sense for for a company like that uh, to see less demand now than they saw during the pandemic, which was frankly a, a, a perfect storm of demand um, for companies like that as we all outfitted our home offices and we all stayed at home uh, on our PCs and mobile, mobile devices. So, um, you know, you're going to continue to get these, but the estimates have only come down you know, about a half a percent from the peak. That's not much at all. We think they got to come down more and this earnings season will start that process. But frankly, it's it's so consensus right now that estimates need to come down. Right. <laughs> that if if they if they don't come down a lot, then you know the market could rally on that. So well, just keep exactly. in mind how negative the expectations are, yeah. not the published estimates, but the expectations anecdotally um, from from analysts and strategists, especially the top down. Uh, strategists uh, out there that are, you know, coming up with numbers well below 250, like like we are. So this really starts the, um, you know, yeah. earnings confession yeah. period. We had a little bit last week, but this really starts it, and that'll be, I think, a big focus for uh, investors th this week. So anything else, Quincy? People should be watching. We covered well, yeah, a lot of ground. I mean, but anything well, we missed? Well, yeah, you talked about the macro view of, of of estimates. What about the, you know, bottom up? Take a look at the analysts. These are the sell side analysts on Apple, on Amazon. There's the buy, 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 buy. I mean, it's so strong. Alphabet, uh, you know, Alphabet I think, has 52 buy ratings from 52 analysts. <laughs> oh, that, I, I was, that's case. not meant to be a recommendation on Alphabet, but how is that helpful? I rest my case. <laughs> uh, either, either they are the most prescient group a, a mankind, or the majority of them are, are wrong. And, and that's why we have to hear from the companies themselves, because most of them are not going to change their ratings until they hear from the companies. Usually they'll wait, just like with the pre-announcements, uh, they'll wait to hear you know, a confession from a company, and then they feel like they've got the cover to go in and do a, a negative revision, right? It's, it's the way it works. They don't want to go in before the company speaks. Uh, but that's what's going on. And I think that's the reason, Jeff, that so many folks are looking at the market and saying, I want to go in. Why, why shouldn't I just go in now? Uh, because look, look what these analysts are saying. And I'm not talking about the macro analysts. They, that tends to be more esoteric. But those buy ratings get, get you know, all, strewn all over business uh, television in the headlines. And then, you know, you'll have folks sitting there saying, well, why aren't I going in and buying more? Because look at what, the, what they're saying. This, this is a, a disconnect somewhere. And that's why, how do I say it? That's why I think sometimes you look at this and say, are we really going to be going into a deep recession if companies themselves are, are giving us positive guidance or at least solid guidance? Are we, are we going yeah. to look at what they say and 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 claim that that, that they're not correct that they don't, they they are the ones 
who hear from their own customers, their own clients, they are the ones that see ahead. And that's why the guidance this time around is particularly important. And while the market, why the market is waiting in bated breath to see, to give us the, the, the term, do we, uh, and as you say, an inflection point, an inflection point that is different from the inflection point we're waiting for from the Fed. Yeah, the combination of <clears throat> corporate America being in great shape. Yeah. And then consumers having, at, a, at an aggregate level, yeah. a lot of excess cash, money markets yeah. and whatnot, checkable deposits, still trillions of extra cash beyond what they had pre-pandemic, uh, puts us in a great shape to manage through a modest recession if we have one. And that's probably the base case. If we have a recession, probably going to be shallow. Modest. Yeah, you've got $1.9 trillion for corporations, not counting financials. And you have some states, I won't name them, uh, who, you know, writing out checks for folks. Now, does that feed inflation? Yeah, because you're, you're looking at the opposite from the market perspective. But you then you'll have folks able to, um, you know, to have more cash to, to spend and just keep going through this, uh, through, you know, this this period of, of slow, much slower growth, slower and then much slower growth. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well said, Quincy. So I think um, I'll, I'll end with this, um, previewing our mid-year outlook for 2022, which will be out next week. In fact, the podcast for next week will feature the mid-year outlook uh, presentation. So looking forward to that. I won't be able to make that podcast. So I'm not sure who we're gonna bring for you, um, you know, Ryan has um, moved on to pursue another opportunity. We wish him well. Uh, so um, going forward, you're gonna hear from me, you're gonna hear from Quincy, you're gonna hear from Scott Brown, our technical strategist, Jeffrey Roach, our economist and others. We're gonna mix it up, I think, uh, going forward. So we'll bring some of those people uh, next week to walk you through our mid-year outlook 2022. We're really excited about it. Uh, great job again from our designers who just uh, do a, a, an amazing job, not just of bringing us great images like the one you're seeing now, but um, in sort of tying the theme together and, and effectively telling um, a story. So that'll be cool. Um, I guess, Quincy, the first LPL outlook you have contributed to. So um, excited to, uh, about that too. So so thank you, Quincy, for um, for jumping on here as my co-pilot uh, to, to play on the mid-year outlook theme there. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Really appreciate you being here uh, and continuing to make uh, LPL Market Signals a success. Um, so with that, everybody have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally 
generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.